Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I chat with Maj Hamadani, who is having ultimate success in his first years as an online course creator. He has plans to take his business that launched with some programming courses such as Angular 2 to the United States from Australia, hiring extra employees to make sure that he can run a successful business and grow it to the next level. All of that coming right up. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. The one thing you can do for me is leave a review for the show, which helps us expand to an even larger audience. Thanks, and let's get straight to the interview. Hello, Mosh. Welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourselves to my audience? Hi, Phil. My name is Mosh Hamadani. And I'm one of the Udemy instructors, mainly teaching computer programming courses. Nice. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. We met actually in person at Udemy Live last year. And sure are you going to be there this year? Uh, I haven't made a firm decision. I would love to, but there are a few things happening at the moment. Uh, and I don't know uh, where I'll be at that time of the year. So okay. if I'm going to be around, definitely I'm going to come. Great, great. Well, it would be great to see you there. But now for my show, I'm just so excited to have you here. And I know the listeners are going to learn a lot from you. I've had one other person who teaches programming uh, and computer kind of development courses, um, Maximilian Schwarzmuller. But yep. I think there's a huge audience for that kind of topic. And it's so competitive. But uh, so I think it'll be really interesting for people to hear how you're having so much success. So before we get into that, can you just talk about a little bit more about your background and what you've been doing before you started teaching online courses? Sure. Well, I've always been a software engineer and mainly doing web and, web and mobile application development. Um, I had a regular job like most people, nine to five or more accurately, it was 10 to 6 because everyone in the office knew that Marsh was the last person walking in and walking out of the office. So <laughs> that was my life. Just go to work, come back home, cook, next day go to work like a machine. Nice. Is And is this in Melbourne where you're at now? Yep. Okay. Yep. Got it. So was this for like a big company or a small company or, or what was that like? Uh, different situations. Um, I worked with government agencies and also private sector okay got it got it yeah well i i remember that and are you still working at that job right now or are you doing online no. courses full-time no i quitted that a while ago and the moment i'm doing online courses but uh sometimes i get contracts but these are short-term contracts so i may go and do something for two three months just for a change and also to be in the industry um but i don't want to have that lifestyle anymore Got it. Yeah, no, totally. That's very similar to, I think, a lot of online course creators who are doing that kind of full-time. And like me, I do online courses <clears> full-time, <throat> but I still do video editing and video projects. And it's nice to still go and actually do the work and do what we're teaching about. But of course, online courses give us so much more freedom and the revenue is more scalable than a full-time job. So what? how do you learn about online teaching and courses and uh, when did you get started with online courses? 
Well, uh, this is, uh, I think, three, four years ago, I saw an ad on Facebook that took me to Udemy, and I saw one of the instructors, and just out of curiosity, I saw that he had, I think, maybe 50,000 students, and his course was priced $100 or $200, and I said, wow, this, this man is a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people who are new to Udemy think when they come to our pages. They think, oh, we're billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really like that. Um, but that inspired me to think of this as a part-time job that I would do next to my full-time job. Um, but like most um, people who want to start out, I didn't have time for it. By the time I got home, I was so tired. And at some point, I decided I didn't want, I didn't want to work in that job anymore. Um, so I quitted my job and I thought, okay, I'm not going to look for a new job. I'm going to take a risk here and create a course. And honestly, I didn't have the confidence first in terms of um, speaking in the microphone or I know nothing about audio and video production. So I thought the easiest step was to write an ebook. So I published an ebook on Amazon called The Blueprint for a Productive Programmer. And um, that didn't work. I think, honestly, over two years, I've probably made $100 from that book. Okay. <laughs> so, Not a full-time salary. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, then I created my first course for Udemy, which was a two-hour course called Double Your Coding Speed, where I talk about various uh, shortcuts to write code fast. And that was a free course. So I immediately got about 1,000 students over a few days. And then when I turned that into a paid course, nothing. <laughs> and then um, Udemy um, published a list of on-demand topics and I found something there that I knew really well and I said, okay, I'm going to create something that is popular, probably this is going to work. So I spent six weeks to create a six-hour course and I was still not looking for a job. I was working at home, uh, living off my savings. And guess what? That didn't work either. <laughs> I, I hardly made any sales. And I did a lot of research. I look at some of courses on Udemy about su succeeding on Udemy. Um, one of the instructors whose courses I saw was herself. Uh, <laughs> I saw courses of Alan Hill on YouTube marketing and stuff like that. And um, then eventually I decided that this is, this is not going to work. So I started looking for a job. Uh, I went to a few interviews and then I found something that I wanted to do. But I was not going to start straight away. So they said, you will start in three weeks. And I said, well, I have three weeks. I don't want to waste my time. Maybe I should do another course. So I was very determined. And yeah. I published my third course on Udemy, which is called C Sharp Advanced. And uh, that started to pick a little bit. And I thought, okay, that has potential. At least this has given me a little bit that makes me think I have achieved something as opposed to the last two courses that were completely, not a waste of time, but uh, financially they were not rewarding at all. Yeah, and were those and, first couple of courses, were they making any money at all or was it just nothing? Like $100. Okay. But think of working six weeks for $100. Yes. <laughs> I, could, I could work uh, as a waiter and <laughs> make 10 times more money. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, and then from C-Sharp Advanced, it kind of peaked, and um, then I got a lot of students asking me for other topics that I knew really well, and then somehow my focus changed from making money 
to uh, having this as a passion because being in, being um, in touch with my students and knowing about their dilemmas, which were the dilemmas that I had several years ago, and being able to help them was something that got me going. So I remember when I was going to work full time, on the way to work, I used to catch public transport and I had a notebook. Every day I used to write all these things I wanted to teach. I, I wrote down scripts, I wrote down the topics, the list of sections and lectures and course titles. Um, so I was constantly coming up with different ideas. And um, guess what? I went to work and I had to do boring stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, basically that's how I started teaching yeah. on Udemy. Nice. Well, that's really interesting. And actually, you're the first person that has had that kind of uh, of a path in, in the sense that you actually left your job or you, your job ended and you were like, I'm just going to do this full time. So you dedicated a lot of time, but it also di didn't work out. And uh, it's actually a, a good lesson to learn that, you know, if you would have just had a lot of success in the beginning, well, that might have been better. It might have helped you, you know, get started faster, but it's all also good to, you know, learn what works and what didn't work. And I think with topic selection and those kinds of things, you had to learn what the right course topics were that worked and didn't work. So that's, well, that's the start of your journey. And now you're doing this full time, which is amazing. Uh, so kind of, can you fast forward till to like today and talk about, um, maybe the other courses that you've launched, uh, the successes you've had, and how it's kind of changed your life to this day. Yeah, basically most of my success came last year when I published a course on Angular 2 and ASP.NET MVC. And basically this has given me a lot of freedom in the sense that I work on the projects that I am interested in as opposed to projects that are of interest to others. It gives me freedom that I can work anytime, anywhere. Sometimes I'm working from my home office. Sometimes I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and also writing scripts. Sometimes I go to the cafe nearby. It, it just depends on my mood. I usually change location because that also helps with my creativity. And um, also last year, I traveled four times. I went um, three times to the U.S. and once to Bali. Now, there were short trips, like every time it was 10 to 14 days, but you know that if you're working for someone full-time, they don't give you a chance to travel four times in a year. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> even even in Australia yeah. where you get a lot of vacation, that's still pretty difficult to do. Absolutely. Man, well, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of teaching online. And I feel like our day-to-day -day is very similar. I spend a lot of time just at home, but recently I've been trying to just get out and... Uh, I'm very frugal actually. So even like going to a coffee shop for me, is like, oh, I don't want to like, why am I spending my money at a coffee shop? I could just stay home. But it's like so nice to just get outside and to be in the world. And even if I'm not interacting with other people, like in a workplace setting, just getting out and interacting with people in my day to day life has been really nice the past, just actually the past few weeks, I've kind of started doing that a little bit more. Uh, myself. So in terms Great. of um, maybe, for example, this week, I, I think people want to hear kind of like more about your day to day life as a full time online mm -hmm. course creator. What what are you like working on today? Like what's your schedule like today? And what kinds of things? How do you balance your time between course creation and any of the other things you're working on? 
all right, let's say today I'm going to work on a new section for one of my existing courses. So I spent uh, from one to three days on planning out exactly lecture by lecture what I'm going to teach in that section. The exercises I'm going to use, uh, the examples I'm going to use, and I constantly modify them. So it's not like I come up with something and that's it. No, I, I, I'm very self-critical of myself. I constantly go over my exercises and change them, making sure they're at the right level of complexity. So one to three days is planning, and then the next two, three days I spend on recording and post-production. That's pretty efficient. I mean, that's like a week. In a week, you can record a class. Is that kind of how, like, realistically, how long it takes for you to create an entire course? No, no, no. Just one section. Oh, a section. <laughs> a section. Wow. Well, which, that... is, which is somewhere between 40 to uh, 60 minutes. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that's also on the opposite side. That's actually a lot of work for a single section, which I think comes across in your courses. And I'll, I want to talk more about your exercises and that kind of stuff later but wow you're actually putting a lot of time into your your sections and, and coming Absolutely. up with your exercises that's pretty I mean I think that just comes across when you look at your your courses and I'm on Udemy and I'm just looking at your course page and you have your looks like 11 courses live now uh, that are public and I mean it's all four and a half five star reviews and thousands of reviews in your courses so you know, the work that you're doing is really paying off, which is, which is exciting. Um, in terms of your, in creating an actual course, you mentioned that when you started, you didn't know anything about video production or anything like that. What equipment did you start out with and has that changed over time? Uh, not at all. I, I started with um, a USB microphone. It's the Afix brand. It's actually not that popular, but it has worked well for me. And I think it's around probably two, three hundred dollars. Okay. And I also got a pop filter, so that's what I started out with. And then, at some point, my account manager on Udemy uh, encouraged me to do talking head videos. So that was a big shift, and I spent about a month to learn about this stuff and research. And then I got—I had a DSLR camera. Um, Actually, no, I had to get another DSLR because my camera didn't record videos. Okay. So I have a Canon T6i, which is around $800, I think. Mm -hmm. um, a standard lens, nothing too fancy. I got a basic light kit from eBay or Amazon. So it's uh, I have two lights on the side and one across. Um, also got a live, uh, what's that? Lav mic? Yep, mm -hmm. lav mic. You call it lav? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lav mic, it's a Rode brand. Okay. Uh, not quite happy with that. I spent a fair amount of money on that, about $200. But the, the quality is, is like I'm, I'm in a box. Mm. It doesn't sound very sharp to me. Okay. Um, so these are, these are the equipment. And in terms of software, I use Adobe Audition for post-processing of my audio. And uh, most of my videos are captured and edited in Camtasia. And sometimes I use Final Cut Pro for when I want to have more fancy stuff. Got it. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, that's, you know, it's uh, it's all the basic equipment that you need. And uh, it's, you know, cool that you can start out with that and you're still using s sort of the similar equipment now. In terms of exactly. that lighting kit, you mentioned it was a kind of like inexpensive one from... Amazon or eBay was that just one of those standard ones that has like fluorescent light bulbs and it has like a 
a, like a chimera. <coughs> I forget the, it's called a chimera, but it's like a filter that softens the light, a softbox. Is that just one of those cheap ones that you see when you search for lighting Absolutely. kit? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's actually uh, so bad that when I try to put it together, it doesn't fit really well. And one of them looks um, a little bit asymmetrical. Okay. Um, but what I like about it is that it, it has uh, five buttons where you can change the intensity of the light. Mm. And that has helped me a lot in terms of making sure that I'm not overexposed or underexposed. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's something that would be very helpful for people um, <clears throat> who aren't as good with changing or with their cam. Maybe their camera doesn't have a lot of settings, but being able to control the light the power is a good idea so that's cool i mean use whatever you got i mean i'm using a i guess a probably like 50 dollar lighting setup myself uh kind of a diy lighting setup with some paper lanterns and even though i did have a professional lighting kit before i still use this cheap setup because it it works just fine so i always suggest to people to just kind of start with what they have uh absolutely also in terms of starting out what what you taught a uh, C sharp course, but and then you moved into Angular and these other topics. But what has have you done any research or keyword research about topic selection, or how do you go about f- picking your next courses? Honestly, no. Um, <laughs> That's great. I am, That's fine. <laughs> I am not one of the those instructors that do a lot of market research uh, because I don't have a big financial goal in mind. So I mostly focus on things that I love myself and things that I can teach well. And I believe that with that, money comes. So it's not my focus in terms of doing a lot of market research and keyword analysis. Um, and also, I get a lot of question, uh, a lot of uh, emails from students telling me, Mosh, can you teach a course on that topic? Uh, also, another thing that I have done that has proven to be successful is, like once a year, I send out a survey. So I create a Google form send it to my students, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and ask them, what do you want me to teach? Mm-hmm. And I list a few topics that I know I'm ready to teach and let them vote. And then I make a decision based on that. That's that's a really good idea. I think everyone should be <coughs> doing that. And as of now, it's totally fine for Udemy instructors to send out surveys via the educational announcements to a survey, as long as you don't ask or require for their email addresses or it's not promotional in any way. Uh, but I actually Absolutely. just talked to my Udemy um, account manager about this idea, and she said, "Yeah, go ahead, f- go ahead and do that." And another thing you can do is in those surveys or in a separate survey, you can ask people what they expect in a specific topic. So if you're teaching a course on Angular two, you can ask them what they would expect in that course, and you have a better idea of exactly what your students are looking for. So surveys, Absolutely. I love that idea. Uh, cool. So that's how you, how you kind of pick up pick a course topic. But programming languages and computer development, all these topics that I don't really know anything about, they seem so competitive, especially on Udemy. So do you have any advice for people who know these topics and want to get into it and either in terms of coming up with the topics or just creating the courses the way that you create a, a, a course that students like uh, teaching like programming languages. Do you have any advice about that? Uh, my only advice is um, teach what they know really well, what they're passionate about, because that would come out in their delivery. And I believe um, 
a big part of their success will be dependent upon that. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important. I know some people who try to even teach programming languages and they don't know that much about it and, you know, their courses end up not getting as high a rating. Um, For your courses, what do they actually look like for a student? Like when they're watching a course, are they just screencast following you? I don't even know how like programming languages work. So maybe you can explain a little bit (laughs) to me. Sure. But like, how does it look to a student? Are you just like doing a screencast, teaching them how to build certain projects or or what? Yeah, the past few courses, uh, at the beginning of each section, I have an introduction lecture, uh, which is a talking head video for 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, I basically tell them what they're going to learn in this section and what are the benefits. And then it gets to a screencast. It's mainly an editor where we write code. And then at the end of the section, I have exercises and a summary lecture, which is like a quick recap of what they have learned. And that's keynote. Mm, got it. So very structured, which I like is you got the intro, especially with the benefits you, you mentioned, share, sharing the benefit that the students get. I think that alone will make your students happier and feel more accomplished and it kind of helps them understand if they want to even take that section or not. I imagine in, in your classes, a lot of people w- would want to take every section of the course. But for some of my courses, I find that some sections in photography classes, for example, some people don't even want or don't even care about. So they'll just skip it. So I think having those intro mm-hmm. lessons are really good. Uh, you talked about exercises and actually my Udemy advisor... <clears throat> referred me to your course uh, when she was talking about exercises and she had me watch a couple of your exercise lessons, which were really good because you were there on camera for some of them explaining what it was. And then you listed out the steps of of the actual exercise. Um, What advice do you have for creating engaging exercise courses with exercises? Uh, My exercises are based on real world scenarios. And I think that's what my students love about it because uh, they do something that it's it, it's not necessarily a guarantee they're going to see something like that in their career, but at least it's something that makes sense. Um, and I also spend a lot of time on making sure they have the right level of complexity so they're not too easy that they think, oh, that was <laughs> like, what, what was the point of that? Right. Or not too complex that they feel disappointed at themselves and also i make sure to order them so if there are multiple exercises i make sure that they start really easy and then gradually get more complex um yeah that's that's pretty much the formula that i use in all my courses are you enjoying this episode we hope you're learning to become a better course creator if you want to fast track your success get the free seven step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com now let's get back to the show Another thing that she, the, my advisor told me and she showed me in your lectures is that you use a song, I think, or a specific song in your exercise videos. And uh, maybe that's true, maybe not. But it um, kind of cues the student that, hey, this is an exercise lesson. Uh, and so that's something oh, yeah. I've been doing, too, <laughs> is like I, I'll use a, mu- a certain song for my exercise lessons. Yep, that's right. Yep. I, I love that idea because it just kind of trains your students to be prepared and 
uh, to, to ex or to know when they hear that song that this is an exercise lesson. Um, have yeah, you- I actually came up with that idea last year when, when I was doing my Angular course. I wanted to do a few creative ideas, and that, that was something I came up with. But interesting, uh, until this moment, I didn't know if uh, it actually worked in terms of engaging students or not. I just hear it from you because I didn't look at the data. <laughs> <laughs> well, Udemy told me that that was a good idea. So hopefully it's, okay, it's helping somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, have you seen that your courses, do you have exercises in all of your courses now? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Do you, have you seen... Not all of them, but let's say 70%. Okay. And do you see more engagement in the courses with exercises? Again, honestly, um, I'm terrible at looking at... It's hard to see. This, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, with, <clears throat> with all your courses that are so popular, how do you even stay up with all the assignments and questions? And that's one thing I'm struggling with. Uh, are you finding it hard to find time to respond to all of your student questions and exercises and everything? Oh, man, don't tell me about it. It's <laughs> it's my biggest challenge at the moment for the past year. Um, I get several um, tens or sometimes hundreds of messages a day um, because on YouTube I have about 46,000 subscribers, so people are constantly commenting, asking questions there. I have people who send me email via my blog. I have people who send me email directly because they, I don't know, somehow they find my email somewhere. I have people who send me questions on uh, in the private messaging on Udemy and people who comment on uh, discussion boards, post questions there. Um, and people <laughs> yep. who also contact on Twitter. So yep. when you add them all together, it's definitely more than 100 messages a day. And um, you do the math. If I want to sit down and answer every question, I literally have to spend the entire day asking and answering people's questions because it's not a matter of typing for two minutes. Sometimes I need to think five minutes or I need to research something because I don't know everything, right? Sometimes I also have to go to Google. I'm a student myself, right? Uh, so at the moment, it's my biggest challenge. I sometimes, let's say once a week, I spend an hour going through these questions on a random basis. So it's not necessarily what came first. You know, it's whoever was lucky at that point. I see the question. If I'm ready mentally to answer that, I do it. Um, but I'm planning to uh, extend my team on one and have people on my behalf who are uh, expert in the areas that I teach so they can answer questions and help my students on my behalf. Yeah, man. Well, you feel my pain. I think uh, you're one of the people like similar to me that is getting this about the same amount of questions per day. And I imagine for you, some of the stuff is even more time intensive because you might be having to look at someone's code that they're writing or something like that, I imagine. And that just seems like it would take forever. Uh, but I, but like you said, for me, sometimes I find questions that I don't know the answer to. So I have to go research it. But of course, at the end of the day, that's part of the job. And I try to remind myself that you know, this is awesome what I'm doing and I wouldn't be here without the students. So I shouldn't complain too much. But at the same time, it's it is it keeps me away from doing other things like creating new content or courses or marketing that helps grow the business. Uh, but, you know, there you got to do it if you're going to be an instructor. Are there any exactly. way, ways that you're 
any like efficiency tips or anything you're doing to be more efficient with your questions? And Not answer? really, because as I said, I don't have success in the area myself. Yeah. Um, so for instructors who will start out, uh, I highly encourage you to answer every single student's questions, uh, talk to them. I used to reach out to my students myself. I used to message them and say, how do you find a course? Uh, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? What else do you want to learn? Uh, and honestly, I love doing that. I love to be in touch with my students. I heard a lot of their stories, their challenges, and that inspired me to write my new blog posts and design new courses and basically help them. Um, but these days, I really can't do that. I don't have that much time. Yeah. Um, so people at our level, I think we need to delegate to others to help our students because um, you're absolutely right. Uh, a big part of our success is our student support. So we can't leave them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you have some big plans for your business. I want to talk about in a, in a couple minutes, but I do have one efficiency tip that I want to tell you and the listeners that I actually just learned about last week from a podcast on Side Hustle Nation. Nick Loper interviewed John Lee Dumas, and they're both using this Google Chrome extension called Auto Text Expander. And I'll link to it in the show notes, but I okay. installed it today and it's absolutely amazing because it's basically keyboard shortcuts for canned responses. And I find myself responding to some of my questions the same way every time. Like, yeah, there's some that are very, there's a lot that are very specific, but a, a lot of times I have a sort of a canned response that I give. And so you can literally like type out a paragraph or a sentence or include links. Like for example, one thing that I constantly have to email my users, my Udemy students about is if they're having playback issues or any issues with Udemy, the Udemy site, if they want a refund or the videos aren't playing. And so I'm always telling them, okay, you can go to Udemy support and send them a new message. You know, I don't really have control over this, but I just set up a keyboard shortcut with this auto text expander that whenever I press U3, it <laughs> auto pastes this whole paragraph wherever. So it could be in Udemy, it could be in your email. It's just kind of like a keyboard Great. shortcut for Google Chrome. Uh, so I would check that out because as soon as I <laughs> started using this just yesterday, I was like, man, this is going to actually save me a lot of time. Uh, so that's just a quick tip for you and for everyone listening. Excellent. Thanks yeah. for that, Phil. Yeah, totally. Auto Text Expander. I'll link to it in the in the show notes. Uh, cool. So when you started, it sounded like you didn't really have an audience of your own. Is that true? Absolutely. I started with no students. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So and you had kind of it seems like it was kind of organic. You had the free course. Then you had a you know, you had your course that you went from free to paid. What other ways were you trying to build your audience on and off of Udemy? Um, I usually use uh, YouTube and my blog. These are my main channels. Also use Facebook and Twitter, but I don't think I get much traffic from there, uh, mainly because I don't have enough time for managing that. Yeah. Uh, but on YouTube, I, I upload parts of my courses, like videos that are from, say, five minutes to 20, 30 minutes, I put them on YouTube as something free and educational. Uh, and then in the, in the YouTube, uh, I put um, announcements or text in the video description saying this is part of my course on Udemy. 
if you're interested, you can get it with a discount. Um, that has worked reasonably well for me. And similarly, on my blog, I write articles. I make sure that they give value to, to my audience. It's not just some advertisement because people are sick of advertisements. So, yeah, I write something educational. And at the end, I say, hey, I have other courses if you want to learn more. Uh, and I also engage them to join my mailing list. Anyone who joins my mailing list, I give them discounts. Got it. I was going to ask. So this is like a... I was going to ask about that. Are you sending people directly to your Udemy courses from like YouTube or your blog or through an email list? Yep, directly, directly to Udemy. Okay, directly to Udemy. But you're also trying to get people on your email list as well. So people who go to my blog. Mm -hmm. um, oh, this is interesting. I used to link directly to Udemy from my blog. And um, I believe that's still the case. Yes, <laughs> that's still the case. Um but they don't get as much discount yeah. as opposed to people who join my mailing list. That's cool. That's that's that's, yeah. that's a good little uh, kind of lead magnet bonus that you <clears throat> that people can give away to, to get people to subscribe or or yeah enroll in your email list. Um, that's cool. I I find a lot of people, you know, saying that you should definitely send your traffic to an email list and not straight to Udemy. But I find that I send people to directly to Udemy through my YouTube videos and my blog too because once someone goes onto the Udemy page you yes there you do kind of lose control of that student but at the same time Udemy will start retargeting their own ads to that person so it's kind of a mm -hmm. benefit there's the pros and cons to it but um, if you can drive a lot of traffic to your your Udemy courses, I think it will help in the long run too. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay, so you talk about your YouTube strategy, putting some content on from your classes. Are you creating separate videos? I, did you mention this? Are you creating just separate, completely unique tutorials for YouTube or is it all content from your courses? Uh, I was planning to and I made a few steps on that, but I couldn't, I couldn't cope because of the lack of time. Um, I was planning to do um, like a nightly show. Uh, what's that called? Um, late hour question <laughs> and answer with Mosh, <laughs> something like that. With with jazz music, you know, I love that kind of shows. Um, so it, it was very time consuming to produce those five minutes, uh, and I answered students' questions that are repetitive. And unfortunately, I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. But I'm planning to get back to it hopefully in the future. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's something I'm actually doing with a couple of my classes. I am doing sort of a monthly hour-long Q&A session, a live Q&A session. And I invite everyone that's in, on my email list and a part of that course to attend. One's for video production and one's for online teaching. And even though it's a lot of extra content it's really great content and some people might say oh well you shouldn't be doing that for udemy courses you should only be doing that in a very expensive premium course i find that it just adds a lot of value people love it and mm -hmm. i also end up putting that content on youtube for free and people will end up finding it and hopefully ultimately enrolling in the class because they find it on youtube so i like that idea. great idea yeah uh, cool. So what are your next, what are your plans for the next couple of years? You've, you know, you're doing this full time, but how do you take it to the next level? Well, uh, currently I have 56,000 students on Udemy. 
And I'm planning to take this up to 150,000 students over the next two to three years. Um, so that means I'm going to uh, ex expand my team of one, have people who can assist with my production as well as customer support so I can free up some time and add more content to, to my courses. Nice. And that's, I mean, that sounds awesome. You talked about how you're moving to LA and you're going to be doing that. What has been the, I know you haven't really hired anybody. So yeah, I don't think, but what's your process for actually finding someone that you can, you know, partner with or trust to, to answer questions and to help you out? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, not yet. I'm still working on it. Um, but the initial idea I have is to give them an interview, uh, sorry, like a technical interview. So get the questions that I get on discussion board and selectively pick 10 to 20 questions, mm -hmm. interview them myself to make sure they're at the right uh, knowledge um, and ask them to answer these questions so I can see their communication skills as well. Um, and yeah, the rest is just, I don't know. That Well, that's good. Give I them the job and see how that performs. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good idea actually about having them actually test answer questions. <laughs> I mean, I've had the same thought, like I should really find someone to help me answer all my questions, but I always feel like, well, I need someone who knows a lot about a lot of topics, kind of like I do. Uh, and so how do I find that person? But maybe it's just, you know, testing people and are you going to be, are you planning on hiring someone full time, like in LA or are you looking to do like outsourcing or a virtual assistant? Uh, I'm still working on it. I don't have a concrete plan. Mm -hmm. uh, but Phil, on um, you mentioned that you, you need someone who knows a lot about a lot of topics. Uh, I have the same dilemma myself, uh, but I realized I don't have to find someone who knows uh, all of these topics. I can have two, three different people specializing in different areas. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. I, and that's really true. And I think even <clears throat> if I can't find someone to answer all the questions, if I could find someone to help with some of the questions or even just take away like video editing my courses and my YouTube videos, then that would free up so much time for me and any online course creator. If you could magically make video editing disappear you would have so much extra time to, to do everything Absolutely. so that's kind of the golden ticket right now i find i'm talking to a lot of other instructors about how do we get someone how do we outsource our video editing uh, because there's nothing really there's not like a website that or a service that's set up to do this easily you kind of have to go out and find the editor yourself and it's it's a bit harder than it it could be, um, but that's another business for another person to start. <laughs> yeah. So what's your uh, final piece of advice for someone who wants to get into <clears throat> teaching online, but they haven't started? Maybe they're like you when you, you, you ended your job and they're like, oh, I need to make some extra income. I've heard about online teaching, but I don't know exactly how to get started. Uh, do you have any sort of final piece of advice for them? The only thing I can tell them is stop what you're doing right now and make the first step. Because a lot of people just talk about it. I've talked to a lot of people. I say, have you considered doing that? Uh, and I have asked this question over a period of, let's say, one or two years. And after two years, they still say, yeah, I want to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And they never do it. 
<laughs> so the reality is if you don't make the first step, it's not going to happen. And when I say make the first step, that means right now, right now, at this very moment, get in your car, go buy a microphone, come back home. Or, you know, as simple as that, make yep. the first step. Write down a list of topics. Um, drill down, look at, uh, design your section structure. How many sections? What are those sections going to be called? What lectures? Tomorrow, start recording. Okay, you have a full-time job? I totally understand. Make time to do that. Take one day off or work on weekends. That's what I used to do. I used to work after hours or on the weekends. So I didn't come from a different planet. I didn't leave uh, 48-hour days. <laughs> I, I started exactly in the same boat. So just, you have no excuses. Yeah, you have to make the first step. Just do it. <laughs> I love it. And that's that's always been my advice too. And just like you, I was starting out doing this, you know, after my full-time job. And I know it's harder for some people who have families or different levels of responsibility, but uh, it's it's going to be worth it in the end if you put the, in the time now uh, because it's not completely <laughs> it's not completely passive income, but it is something where you you put a lot of effort in at the beginning, and then hopefully after time, after you launch your course, it's a little bit less effort and it will pay you back uh, greatly in the long run. Cool, Mosh. Absolutely. Well, this has been really fun. Uh, where can people find you online if they want to uh, get in touch with you, find out more about your courses or anything like that? Yeah, the best way is to head over to my website, which is also my blog, programmingwithmosh.com. Awesome. Programming and from with there, they can find my YouTube channel, programmingwithmosh.com. Got it. Cool. And from there, you can find my Facebook page, YouTube, Twitter, everything. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, neat. Well, and one thing I always tell people is to the best way to learn is to s just see how other people do it. So head over to Mosh's website and yeah, see what he's up to on Twitter. Sign up for his email list to see what kinds of emails he's setting, sending out and, <laughs> and enroll in some of his courses to see what he's doing. So Mosh, it's been a pleasure and hopefully I get to see you at Udemy Live. If not, I'll see you in LA when you yeah. land. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thanks very much. It was great. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, there's no better way to learn how to create and sell online courses than heading over to OnlineCourseMasters.com and downloading your free seven-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings. It'll just take one extra minute of your time. Thanks. Have a beautiful day. And we'll see you next week on the next episode.